Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. It's Tracy with another episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm here with super producer Alex. I'm here with you. Thanks for having me on board. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, the person who's going to learn the most out of today's interview is you. Why is it me? Well. I can't wait to hear this crooked logic come out of your mouth. Let's have it. Come on. Well, you know. It's going to be good. It's known around the neighborhood that you tend to try to lure people to your home. You mean with the fishing pole or are we talking about the signs that I put around the neighborhood, you know, with my, my address underneath that says come by anytime? Um, both. <laughs> the little tear tabs that have my address and phone number and a little tiny picture of my face at the bottom of it. That's like uh-huh. a quarter of an inch tall. That's it. Yeah. For a good You'd think time. that'd be enough. Yeah. Well, you know, and we know that this is, does not work out that well for you. The strategy <laughs> is a failure. And so you're going to find out today from our guest, Jeff McKissick. Uh-huh. Now he professionally lures people to get into situations where they can be kidnapped in order to uh, expose security breaches, like not only like with corporations, but in individuals' thought patterns. Now, what does that mean to professionally lure someone? Well, he is the- Because uh, clearly I'm an amateur. Yeah, well, he, he's a professional guy with the van, you know, with the no windows in the back, and he ends mm-hmm. up getting college girls into the van. He manages to do it. Yeah. Does he give away, is he going to give out his tricks? He does. Yes. He's going to give them all to us. He does it for Oprah. Because I have a van. I know you have a van. (laughs) (laughs) It has windows in it, but you know, they're tinted. It's it's not quite the panel van that we're looking for, you know, to complete the experience, but it is a passenger van. CU is right down the street. You are going to pick up some great tips. Now, Jeff does this on the up and up. Uh Uh-huh. And um, and he's done it for over like 200 television shows to just to prove like, hey, you got to be heads up. Like what happens when somebody asks you for a ride? Like there's a specific strategy that they are using to mm-hmm. get um, to either to get into your car or to get uh, you into their car. Hmm. I saw a movie once. I don't remember what it was, but it had a scene and it was kind of the. The gist of the movie was, you know, serial killer lures people into his vehicle, yeah. uh, you know, and then immobilizes them and, and I don't know, cuts them in little pieces or something exactly. like that. Exactly. But uh, so his trick was that he would, you know, he'd bring somebody into his car uh, to give them a ride. But then he had, so around the backside of the headrest uh-huh. would be a canvas bag about the size of your head. Uh-huh. And it was zip tied to the back of the headrest. Okay. So when the person sits down, his plan was to gently reach his hand around behind the seat, grab the bag, flip it over the top of the headrest. So now it's over the person's head. Like in one second, he could just flip this thing over and it's, and think about it. You're in a car and somebody puts over something over your head. Your first instinct is to monkey around with it and try and pull it off. Yeah. So while you're monkeying around with it, he hits you with a taser and then you're out of commission. 
Exactly. Just that simple. It and is. Having seen that movie, that scene or that little sequence stays in my brain. And I think, I don't know, I guess I think about that anytime you know, I'm, I'm looking at taking a ride from somebody I don't know. I'm checking the back of the headrest to see if there's a canvas bag. Well, that is another tip that Jeff did not get to. However, yeah. I think the point is to not get in the car at all. Or I, I think that'd let, be the smart let, move. Let anyone in your car. He has the exact formula and about how these people are up to no good. And, and even one fella he talked about um, lost millions of dollars doing this. Getting in the car? Uh, getting lured by someone. And I'm not, I can't reveal it all right now because you got to listen to the podcast. Oh, I can't but, wait for this one. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah I got to yeah. find out how that happened. Yeah. So we got in, but you know, um, you know what? What we need first. What do we need first? Coffee. You're, you're thirsty? I, I'm parched. What are you so, looking for today? Are you just looking for the, you know, the, the caffeinated chocolate cow? Yes. Coffee flavored sugar milk with chocolate. Yeah, that's what we need. Absolutely. Yeah. I could do the espresso. It's, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon. I could definitely handle a little pick me up. Um, that double espresso would be good. Mm-hmm. How do we get that? Mm. People can help us out because actually their donations, which is about the cost of a cup of coffee, uh, it, it helps us bring more episodes to you and and helps us build the podcast out to be bigger and better and so there is a link in the show notes buy me a coffee just go there five bucks thanks that's what we need help us and keep the going. part that she's not telling you is that we're completely broke and if we're going to keep this thing afloat and keep bringing you these fascinating audio programs that you're probably ready to set on fire at this point <laughs> We need just a little bit of help. So, hey, if you enjoy what we're doing out here and you want to hear more of it, yeah, just click the link down in the show notes and uh, and that goes a long way to help us out. And thanks from both of us in advance. Absolutely. Let's talk to Jeff. It's Tracy and I have uh, what I am sure is going to be an amazing interview here lined up today on Truth lies and cover-ups i'm with jeff mckissick did i say that right mckissick you did okay good and um i got in touch with you because we have a, a couple of mutual friends but uh stan walters the lie guy who has been on my show uh he said you got to talk to jeff and i said okay now you have um an interesting skill i guess that that you've um developed and and, and you help people with and that is you know how to lure people, like lure people to wherever to do. And, and now you're not up to bad stuff, but some people use these same skills to do that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and how, how you got to where you are? Well, rewind the tape to 1987. I've been doing it this long. And I, just at post-college, I ran to a gentleman that was an investigative reporting producer for 2020 60 Minutes NBC News. He was able to interview Bundy, Lucas, Gacy, most of the names we know in crime history. And as he had a chance to do so, he asked them a unique question, one no one else had asked them before. Instead of asking why they did what they did, he asked them how they did what they did. Mm -hmm. How did you convince people to trust you? How did you so quickly build that rapport that took people from safe environments to unsafe environments without them realizing that transition? And after over a thousand of those interviews, he developed what was a critically acclaimed program called the Child Lures Crime Prevention Program. And so that's where he and I met up. Um, we became friends. I represent his program, teaching it to 250,000 K through 12 students, another 40, 50,000 adult professionals, my first three years out of college. So by the time I was 25 years old, I'd already been in front of 300,000 people. Wow. 
yeah, baptism by fire in public speaking. Mm-hmm. It, <clears throat> the one of the things, though, that got people's attention from the corporate world as well as other, back in the late 80s for Oprah 2020, Good Morning America and others, we lured grown adults in the cars and vans to show how easy it was to lure a grown adult into a car with a total stranger, not using a gun or knife, but just a good story. Oh my gosh. Okay. So now I have to ask you, I mean, I know, I know you're, we're not done with your intro yet, but you got to tell us how you do it. (laughs) Yeah, we will. Definitely. If you want me to jump right into it, I can give you some perfect examples. So one piece we did for 2020, we went to Princeton university to see how many college students at Princeton we could lure. Right. About 15 of them in an hour or two. Oh my gosh. At one point, uh, my mentor, he would approach these two young girls sitting on one of the steps, of one of the buildings to think, oh, one or, you know, they always talk about safety and numbers. What if we get two at the same time? And did. So we approached them and we had this business card printed up, said Manhattan Mauling Agency, Madison Avenue, New York. Uh-huh. And again, this was late 80s. So the lure was the, the ego or fame lure, pretend we were modeling agents. And, oh, we're not looking for Tom Cruise or Brooke Shields. Those were the names back then. We want everyday young people coming on camera. Why it's important to say no to drugs. Why it's important to say no to casual sex for this national PSA campaign we're doing on television. And if we use your statement or soundbite, you sign a release form, we'll even pay you $500 for a few minutes of your time. Now, 500 bucks, even at Princeton back in the 80s, is still money. That's a lot of money, yeah. Yeah. And so these two young girls, they looked at each other and they went, okay. So now as they're following us off campus and about to hop in a van off campus mm-hmm. at Princeton. Oh, he turns to one of the girls and says, I've got to ask because I would love to see my daughters come to a place like Princeton one day. What were your SAT scores coming in here? One girl perked up and said 1340 and said 1290 as they hopped into the van. Uh-huh. Well, here's the thing. The people that I've met that are the dumbest are the ones that have done the best in school. <laughs> I mean, just the street smarts is not part of uh, no, what they, they weren't alone. We school. went to Wichita State. We went to numerous campuses all over the U.S. We went to shopping malls. We saw the same thing. A lady who is the head of the gifted children's program of Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. came back 24 hours later. She said, oh, I don't have time to do it right now. Can I meet you here at the mall tomorrow? 24 hours later, she came back with the card still in her hand that she never bothered to phone call or verify or anything. And once the camera crew, it was a local news station there, came out, interviewed her. They said, by the way, did you tell anybody you were coming here for this? She said, well, I mentioned it to my boyfriend. Really? What did he say? He just told me to be careful. Now, okay, so let's let's talk about this because because people say be careful a lot. Mm-hmm. What does that really? It means nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, if you, it's like I remember a couple of years ago I was speaking at a conference in Vail and I was sharing the stage with Homeland Security and the FBI, and that's where I met Mark Sandburn. That we can oh yeah, yeah. Say, and the FBI and the Homeland Security guys were on just before me, and I used that phrase. I said, "We've all heard the phrase: if you see something." Say something. Say something. Mm-hmm. But how many people know what it is they're supposed to be looking for? And when I was all done, I came off stage. The guy from Homeland Security and the FBI came up and they said, you know, we've had that conversation internally ourselves. You know, we kind of coined those phrases with our mindset, not realizing that the general populace has no clue what it is they're even looking for. Right. So consequently, anything and everything becomes suspicious. Uh-huh. If you are a member of nextdoor.com, which is used all over the country. Uh-huh. You've seen those posts from well-meaning neighbors about suspicious person driving down the road, suspicious person walking in the alley, suspicious car driving slowly down the streets. 
what is that supposed to mean? It means that maybe somebody's just looking for a house in your neighborhood. Maybe it's somebody that does lawn service, just looking whose lawns are unkept, who wants to put a card in the door. What is suspicious? That's the problem. When you don't have a trained populace as far as what the things are you're looking for, behaviorally speaking, then anything and everything can fall under that catchphrase. Now, okay, so let's let's talk about this. So what, and I'll let you take it however you want. Like, what do we need to be looking for? How are you doing what you're doing? And I know also that that these say like like there's a there's a way to guide and direct the human mind. There just is, and sure. and there's a lot of different uses for it. One could be getting in a van, but you also said that these same uh, tools can be used for grooming uh, to exploit your financial portfolio oh, yeah. by by someone trusted. So I'm gonna let you take it where you want. That's where we yeah. that's where we want now, to go. There, what we did on camera was very easy and quick to do. Mm-hmm. In fact, we were in Jacksonville, Florida. And it was a 34 year old sailor that got in her van because we used another lure. In that case, it was what we call the authority lure. Mm-hmm. We pretend to be undercover police officers. Your car had been broken into. We caught the guys, but now we have to prove it was your car because they say it's theirs. Do you have your proof of registration insurance on your person? No. Where does everybody keep it? In the car, in the glove mm-hmm. box. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Would you mind following us out? We just need to quickly verify and then can be on your way. Well, Bundy used that lure. Lucas used that lure. And the point they'd been over in the car, that out came a lead pipe, back of the head, pushed them in the car, took off in their car. Oh. We also want to see if we can lure them into a secondary car. So this, this guy, 34-year-old sailor, whose father was chief of police of Jacksonville, Florida, where we did this, uh-huh. when he got into the van, the crew came out and they said, okay, you're a 34 year old sailor. Your father's chief of police in Jacksonville. You fell for a fake police badge. And he looked at the camera straight on and said, yeah, I did. He, he, did, he owned it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did. And they said, any particular reason why? He said, yes, ma'am. Because my dad told me growing up, son, anytime somebody puts that hunk of metal in your face, next words out of your mouth better be, yes, sir. What do I, what can I do for you? Huh? Okay. Okay. So, but those were quick. They yeah. were easy to gain people's confidence quickly in that. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the fiscal world, the Bernie Madoffs of the world and others with Ponzi schemes and all these other things, that is definitely more of a grooming process, which to me is very much akin to the way that child molesters go about grooming their would-be prey. In huh. fact, it's almost identical in the okay. process. I mean, for years, I've taught parents about what are the things you need to look for when someone is grooming your child or teen. And then conspicuously, I was looking at these stories of these types of financial predators. Uh-huh. Going, these are very similar in the approach. But again, it's that time to groom the mark. Okay. So what are the steps? Well, obviously, I'm not going to give them all to because that's where I make a living. But I'll give you a couple of tidbits, I think, that put you at least on the right thinking. Okay. Trackers. Number one is, again, I don't care if you're talking about a child molester or Uh or a fiscal molester, if you want to use that phrase. Number one is spend time with them. Mm -hmm. In the kid's case, something a lot of parents don't have time to do. In the other case, depending upon, and again, these folks have done their homework. They know who they're going after. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, two things I've mentioned constantly, either to wealth managers or registered investment advisors, people that have a high-touch concierge approach with their high net clients mm-hmm. or the clients themselves. Death and divorce are two primary times of life that someone is not only emotionally vulnerable, but mm-hmm. consequently potentially fiscally vulnerable because it's an affair of the heart. Mm-hmm. And I think I told you the story a couple of years ago when I spoke at a national conference of registered investment advisors, all had you know billion dollar plus books of business that mm-hmm. came in from around the country for mm-hmm. this national conference. And I keynoted 
And one of the gentlemen, when I was done, the back from Chicago said, Jeff, those steps you talked about, I had a lady, one of my clients last year, fleece for $10 million <sighs> before the guy disappeared. But as you were going through the steps, I went, yep, 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. down the line. But again, that very, very first one about spending time. There was a lady that approached me a couple of years ago after a keynote conference for the tech side of CPAs. And she came up to me afterwards and she was very solemn. And she said, please keep doing what you're doing because my father just committed suicide two months ago because of what you just talked about. And it was the exact same presentation I did to the RIAs called Mm -hmm. Luring Your Money. I said, what happened? She said, well, Jeff, we grew up in the money part of Dallas and years ago, we lost mom and dad started feeling lonely. So he went to one of the more, well, probably the preeminent mall for the wealthy people here in Dallas and became a mall walker in the morning. Well, this lady who had obviously done her homework on my dad, coincidentally bumps into him one morning and then the mm-hmm. next morning and then the next morning. And so they became mall walkers. She said, you already know where this is going. So I'm going to fast forward to the end. Uh-huh. She left my dad at the courthouse with the just the peace thinking they were getting married, but not before taking him for seven figures. Oh, goodness. So heartbroken, so distraught. Two months ago, he took a gun and took his own life. Mm -hmm. We went to the police. The police said, oh, we know exactly who you're talking about. Your father wasn't the first, won't be the last. But unfortunately, every one of these men has given her the money. There's nothing. There's been no crime. There's nothing we can do. So she's going to do the same thing to someone else. Oh, man. Now, was she at North Park or Galleria? North Park. North Park. Yeah. That's a, that's a, um, that's a fancy mall. I didn't know it was that fancy, but man, which which also begs a statement I've used many times over the years that predators and victims alike come in both genders. See that, that is interesting because, because you always think it's guys. And, and I think a lot of it is, but what's your percentage? What have, what have you found? Well, there's no percentage because how many people come forward if they've been duped? That's that's the other thing. Yeah. We had there, there, I read a case, um, just, probably about six months ago in the Buckhead area of Atlanta, again, very affluent area of Atlanta mm-hmm. where a woman was working one of the very high dollar hotels. And she was obviously meeting these men in the bar again, the go up to the room where she was stealing the blind by putting a Mickey in their drinks and knocking them out. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a role reversal. Mm-hmm. And a couple of these guys came forward, but as the police joke, you know, turn that one of the articles, he said, we only know of the single guys this happened to. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. You get the idea. But this hotel, I mean, we're talking an expensive, very posh mm-hmm. hotel that the people that were coming there were executives. They were professionals. Mm-hmm. They were high rollers. This was not the overnight hotel that many people would just go to. So point being, she did her homework. She mm-hmm. knew her marks. But when we talk about that spending time, it's wherever, and especially when I'm dealing with the end user type clients, if you go vacationing in Monaco, mm-hmm. that's where you may meet the person. If you're a member of Club Med or you're a member of Inspirato or some of these high dollar, high net travel clubs, mm-hmm. and the people we're talking about are probably members too, because they know that's where they're going to find their next mark. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. Because mm-hmm. they see the ROI. So they'll have the look. They'll seemingly have the lifestyle. It'll be all the various accoutrements. Mm-hmm. But have you thinking that this person is like, you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's the number one thing on, of rapport, right? Is of course, rapport building. conscious rapport, which is, is creating that feeling deep down inside, like, oh, they're just like me. Right. And yeah. there's a lot of things you can do. Cause you know, I'm a body language expert. There's a lot of things you can do just with your body language and even your tone and your words to do mm-hmm. that. Right. But then there's lifestyle 
uh, beyond that. Okay. So can you share one or two more? Or are you, are you keeping yeah. them under wraps? Well, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, I've, obviously I'll give one or two more. There's about six or seven, but another one that's really a key factor for me is whenever they introduce the concept of secrecy. And again, this is no yep. different than what we're talking about with child molesters. But the idea is don't tell mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Now in this case, it's well, don't tell your husband or wife. Don't tell your financial advisor. You know, I've got this opportunity, but it's really early on right now. You know, don't bring anybody else in this. Just just between you and me. In fact, I'll do the initial investment just to see how it can pans out. If it works out, and of course it's going to to their favor because they're going to make sure they doctor the paperwork accordingly. Then I'll let you know. But mm-hmm. for right now, let's just keep it between us. And well, the one- there's that. There's that, and also this is a cousin of it, I think. And you can tell me what you think is this is just for a select group of investors. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's that FOMO fear of missing out oh, yeah. aspect. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It, yeah. And that lends itself to the, again, the whole idea that this is something really special that we need to keep to ourselves because the potential ROI is so incredible that we just don't want the masses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Forget the masses. They just don't want people who are going to go, that's not even legitimate. Exactly. Come out. I had a lady at one time, her, her husband was literally a brain surgeon and it was a group of very affluent doctor's wives that brought me into this group uh-huh. to, they had here in Dallas to speak to. And one of the ladies told me, she said, my husband, who is an actual brain surgeon, uh-huh. has been so snowed by this guy that we met as a one of the wine dealers at a Whole Foods that had him convinced that he was the sommelier to some prince overseas. Uh-huh. My husband is totally taken with this guy. And just bought into him, hook, line, and sinker. Uh-huh. And I'm looking, going, you're a freaking brain surgeon. Can you not see that this guy is trying to scam you? Uh-huh. And so I gave her a couple of points of homework and a couple of questions to ask him. And she called me two days later and she went, my husband now thinks I'm psychic. Well, now, wait, what was the questions? Can you say, can you say? Really, well, it really was depend upon her specific situation. Okay. So All it right. wouldn't be something general. But Point being that she came back to us. She said, my husband now thinks I'm psychic. I said, why is that? She said, because those questions you gave me end up being spot on. Oh. And when I asked him about it, just the look on his face, he didn't have to tell me. The look on his face, talking to a body language expert. Yeah. The look on his face told me I'd hit the mark. Oh, my goodness. And, and he's like, how did you even know that? She said, because I heard from an expert who deals with con artists who gave me these specific questions to ask you and your very countenance tells me he's right. And you need to be listening to me. Uh huh. Oh my goodness. Wow. So knows what that saved financially speaking, because the guy had been courting him and grooming him on the side for a large investment. So what it, what it, was it an investment like, um, Oh, to start his own wine. He was going to, right curate various wines from overseas with these mm-hmm. connections he had to bring them over to the U.S. And uh, oh, yeah, it was just it was all smoke and mirrors. Yeah, I figured it was something like that. Well, you know, wine fraud is really big, too. Just just that doesn't surprise me because it's yeah. something that people I mean, you can have people that spend a great deal of money curating those for private collections. Yeah. And, and who it's knows what's in those bottles? Like you can't if, right. if you open it, then it's ruined. Right. Yeah. So what are we doing here anyway? It's like okay. art. It can be very subjective and can be objective. But it can also be very subjective depending mm-hmm. on what price people put on it. But certainly in the hands of a con artist, that price goes up a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. OK, so any any other t- any other uh, clues? We got the secrecy clue mm-hmm. or or is that enough? Just just by that. Well, those two, again, if you just concentrate just on those two, there's, there's obviously things to fill in the blanks, but uh-huh. 
those are two key. Plus what I mentioned about death and divorce, Mm -hmm. that anybody who's gone through that, going through that, about to go through that, to me, those are definitely red flags in lifestyle that could lend themselves to someone potentially being vulnerable to the Mm -hmm. types of approaches we're talking about. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So let's get back to some, uh, some of your other stories that, that you have about just getting people into the car with you. Like what's the craziest one? Oh, that's easy. All right. All right. What do you got? That's easy. I love telling this story, especially when I'm talking to C-suite executives. So as we were doing the lures back in the late eighties, there was a CEO well-known company here in Dallas that made equipment and surveillance equipment for the government okay. who happened to catch some of these. So he had an assistant reach out to me here in Dallas and said, oh, so-and-so would love to meet with you about maybe doing some employee training up here at our company. I said, well, actually, Ken, my mentor is going to be here in a few weeks from Vermont. Um, why don't you just wait and we'll come up together? She said, oh, he would love meeting both of you. Okay, great. So he comes in town. We go up, we have a meeting with him. And he, oh, I've been watching you guys, dude. Oh, it's un- unbelievable how people fall for that. And I thought, you know, this would be a great um, type of offering to offer employees here that have children. And my mentor, Ken, says, um, first of all, so-and-so, that, that's very magnanimous of you. That's, that's great. Uh-huh. But you did notice that we were luring adults, not children. Uh-huh. Said, and I'll never forget the CEO leaning back in his chair, this real kind of smug look on his face saying, I think my people know better than to take candy from strangers. Oh. Ken leans forward in his chair and says, you want to make a bet? Uh-huh. He said, what you got in mind? He said, why don't you loan Jeff and I one of your surveillance vans and let's see how many of your people we can lure in one hour. I'll take you up on that. So the next day we set up outside of one of their credit unions on one of their corporate campuses. Uh-huh. And oops, I'm sorry. I just realized pause for a second. Okay. I have my computer plugged in, but it's giving me a low battery. Oh, happens to me. Aha. There we go. Good. Long plug, I guess. Yeah. So it said, um, we set up outside the credit union and in one hour we lured about eight people. Now the first person we lured was the 16 year old daughter whose father was president of the credit union. So there was a potential risk right there because why rob the place if I can bribe or blackmail dad to bring the money home with him, if he won't see his little girl again. Right. But the one, the one that I'll always remember uh-huh. this young guy pulls up in a gray grand prix templates on the back stickers still in the window. It was obviously brand new. He gets uh-huh. outside the car and he takes a few steps back and he's just looking at this car from stem to stern. We're laughing in the van thinking, okay, this is obviously his first car. He's probably here to sign some long paperwork at the credit union. Ken turns to me and said, Jeff, you got your fake badge with you? I said, yeah. Had my picture in, not even his. He was 20 plus years my senior, but still no one notices when they see that hunk of metal. Right. He said, okay, well, I'm going to go get this guy. So we had him with a wireless mic and the cameras were rolling. He goes inside, he approaches a young guy, again, the way Bundy and Lucas and others have done, pretending his car broken into, blah, 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 blah. So young guy comes outside, you know, just really worried. He's fishing through the glove box, at which point he was vulnerable, but we want to see if we get him in the secondary car. So he produces the paperwork and can say, okay, this all looks in order. Someone, you mind having a seat in my car? We just need you to fill out one page report in case we need you later as a material witness. And he was really acting nervous. He's like, yeah, yeah, but um, do you mind if I check my trunk first? We're in the band thing. Why do you want to check the trunk? Uh-huh. It was strange too, but I didn't want to throw him off the scent. I wanted to get him to the car. So I said, okay, check your trunk. We'll go to the car. He pops the trunk. He goes to the back. He opens it up. Oh, thank God it's still here. Ken said, what? He said, well, you see this leather bag? Yeah. 
I'm the courier for the ATM machines at Craig. You know, I've got core remaining cash in this bag. I don't want to leave it here. Do you mind if I bring it with me? Oh, <laughs> so we had him on audio and video get into a stranger's car with $250,000 in cash. Uh-huh. The next day when we showed all this footage to the CEO, needless to say, we spoke at all three of their Dallas area campuses five times over the next coming week. Yeah. Doing full employee training, not just for parents. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. Wow. So yeah, that was like the mother load. So um, what are, what are some tips? I mean, obviously like don't get into a car or learn what a badge looks like. Like what, yeah, the, what do we need to do here? The interesting thing was every single, and we lured over 200 men and women. The interesting thing was after it was all said and done, every single person basically had the same initial comment and reaction on camera as far as when they were asked, why did you do it? Mm-hmm. Everyone basically said, I knew this wasn't real. I knew you guys were, ah, something told me this wasn't right, which told us that the instincts were working, but they didn't listen. And a lot of the reasons being that we realized that the lures, the good stories short circuited the critical thinking process. Uh-huh. And so naturally, if someone that you don't know approaches you, your guard is somewhat up. But uh-huh. if the story is enticing or convincing enough, it lowers that natural inhibition mm-hmm. to question the scenario at hand. So one of the things I've kind of developed over the years is what I call two key questions. So when someone approaches you, male or female, uh-huh. young or old, I don't care if they're on crutches. I don't care what vulnerabilities they perceive to have. Okay. That's a key phrase. Uh-huh. Anyone, almost pretend like you can't see them at all. Don't go on appearances. Someone approach you. There's been an emergency. I need your help. By the way, the number one lure is asking for help. I need your help. Um, ego and fame. I mean, there's 13 basic lures, but whatever the lure happens to be, the lure du jour, so to speak. Uh-huh. One of the first questions you ask, uh-huh. what is this person asking me to do? In other words, First of all, does it, is it something that makes you feel uncomfortable about the situation? In other words, everything seems fine, but there's that nagging instinctual feeling that somehow the book just doesn't match the cover. Uh-huh. Also, what are they asking you to do? Does it go against your instincts? Does it call for a rushed response? Oh, there's an emergency. Oh, well, forget the fact they say you're locked out of the car and you're not a locksmith. Uh-huh. The car's broken down. You're not a mechanic. There's been someone injured, but you're neither a doctor, nurse, or paramedic. Our natural inclination is, as good human beings is to lend assistance, to be right, that right. response, to be Superman or Supergirl in the situation. Mm-hmm. But could you really do anything in that thing? But that's it. No, people, people don't think. They just react, and they uh-huh. react out of emotion rather than stop and think, wait a second, before I head off, I can't do anything here anyway. Right. But that's not the way people think. So what is the person asking you to do? Second question, just as important, if not more so, where are they asking you to go? Is it away from where you're at? Is it away from who you're with? Remember Natalie Holloway went with her entire senior class to Aruba years ago before a good looking guy named Joran Vandersloot lured away from all the safety of her friends and murdered her on her uh-huh. senior trip to Aruba. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, everybody does. Is it away from where you're at, away from who you're with? And is it somewhere that if you go there, no one's going to see or hear what happens next. They're pulling you to somewhere isolated. Mm-hmm. But there was a man called the Atlanta airport probably 10 years ago. Now he lured 25 men, five of them to their deaths over three States before the police call him at the Atlanta airport about to flee the country. How do you lure him? Assistant lure asking for help. 
He walked to these 25 men at shopping malls and places and said, hey, my car broke down. I have the cables. I just need to jump. Can you help me? That was it. Mm-hmm. First question, what is he asking me to do? Does it seem illogical, unusual? No. Does it call for rush response? No, he's pretty calm about it. I mean, if you look at question one, he would have passed. But question two, where's he asking me to go? Away from where I'm at? Yep. Away from who I'm with? Possibly. Somewhere no one's going to see or happens next. Well, you won't know unless you ask. But the thing is, these guys didn't. So they want to be the good citizen, good Samaritan. They pulled their cars because in every instance, he parked his car behind the dumpster, behind the big car, common mm, parking mm-hmm. garage, on the back side of the building where he could isolate his victims. When they came around, he just pulled out a knife and just started stabbing. It wasn't robbing, mugging, relay. He just wanted to kill people. But again, applying two key questions. So if somebody comes up to you, it's like, listen, hey, I would love to be able to help you because let's face it, if the good people stop helping the good people, who's left? So I'm not discouraging people from good citizens and good Samaritans. I'm just saying add discernment to the equation. Ask some questions of your own. Uh-huh. I, I would love to be able to help you. And I think I can, but where did you park? Where, where is it? We're going. Oh, a restaurant right over there. Oh, right over there. Lots of foot traffic, lots of visibility, lots of light things where anybody could see anything happen that went wrong. Okay, sure. Where'd you park? Um, just kind of back here in the back of parking garage. It's on the kind of side back of the building. Yeah. No, I, let me let me go inside and see if I can find some. Uh, minute you start recruiting help of your own, uh-huh. you'll find it real quick if there was a hidden agenda involved. Oh wow! Now um, you've got some success stories, though, don't you? I'm sorry. You got some success stories. Well, I mean, I've got stories of people that have said, "Hey, this happened. You were able to help me avert from this situation, or because of your training, or increase my awareness about this, that, and the other." Yeah, I remember years, and this is way, way back in my early start. Uh, I was coming back from California uh-huh. on a plane. A lady was sitting next to me. She was a nurse from Oklahoma City. And you, know, you get those conversations on the plane. What do you do? And then it yeah. got into that. Well, she was just enamored with what I did and what we were doing and research and putting these stories together for the media. And so she was literally kind of taking notes. And one of them I mentioned was that ego and fame things being a model. Unbeknownst to me, her daughter was doing some modeling in Oklahoma City. So after we parted in Dallas and she went on to Oklahoma City, she got my business card. Well, weeks, maybe me months later, she mailed me because it's pre-internet. She mailed me a letter and the first words were, you saved my daughter's life. Well, that got my attention. Yeah. And what happened is her daughter had been approached by a man in the mall about doing some modeling. She worked at a store there in the mall and she had done calls before and she thought nothing about it. And she was getting ready to close down the store and go out to meet this guy in the parking lot. When the, her mother's story about meeting me on the plane and how this was a potential ruse just somehow came to her memory. Uh-huh. And she thought, you know, it'd probably be a good idea for me to grab one of the security guards here at the mall, just to go out with me to check and make sure everything's copacetic. As they came out beside the mall and she, and the guy saw the security guard with her, he sped off. Well, they were able to get the license plate because the security guard was sharp and he thought, okay, that was unusual. He got the plate. Come to find out that guy had raped eight women in the Oklahoma city area. Mm. they caught him good yeah but she could have been number nine yeah oh my gosh that is crazy Um, but you know and over the years i've had people i had a family law attorney that got into a situation where she's being stalked by the ex of one of her clients and there was again a situation where she could have been lured into a very vulnerable position of being with him alone in her office in this multi-tenant office building and just on and on, you know, things have happened over the years where people have said, had it not been for your training, had you not given me pause for thought, yeah, this whole story would have had a very, very different ending. 
Oh my goodness. Awareness. It's just simple awareness. It's teaching people a to think critically and B to listen to that still small voice when it's telling you that something or someone just simply is not right. Oh my gosh. Okay. So any, we got to let you go get back to your day. Any last tips for people? Um, Cause we got follow your gut. Any, anything else come to mind? Well, of course. I mean, there's, there's things we go on and on, but seriously, it boils down to those two things. It really does. I could take everything that I do and put it into those two areas and nothing else is really more than elaboration on those two things. Number one is learning, teaching people how to think critically, but that's a learning process that doesn't come instinctually because here again, a lot of very well-educated people got into those cars and vans. Their instincts were working, but they allowed the good story to short circuit that process of critical thinking. So there has to be instruction that comes with this. And of course, yeah, that's what I do. That's not a selling point. That's just a fact, whether it's me or someone like me, there has to be something that raises people's awareness mm-hmm. of their vulnerabilities so that they don't let their ego write checks that their body can't cash. And they get in these situations. Like, oh, I could handle, Oh, it's a woman. You know, something happened. I can handle her. Yeah. But she wasn't alone. Right. She was luring you to where she had friends waiting for you, but you only looked at her. All these different things that allow people to actually do that self-assessment in a realistic standpoint and realize, kind of in the words of Kenny Rogers, <laughs> got no one to hold them, no one to fold them, no one to walk away, and no one, <laughs> no to, one run. to run. Oh my wow. gosh! Okay, so how? Because because you do keynotes, you do longer events. Um, I'm sure you're doing virtuals yeah. these days. Yeah, so- there's I mean three things ways people engage me. Number one is obviously I speak at conferences, conventions. Mm-hmm. Number two is I do on-site employee training for companies that bring me in to train their employees and document their due diligence for purposes of insurance or risk mm-hmm. management to mitigate claims of negligence. And number three, and probably 50% or more of my business now are companies, mostly insurance and financial that hire me to actually work with their clients as a value add tool in those type of instances to help keep them either physically and or fiscally safer. So oh those goodness. are the three ways that people engage me. Okay. So how can people get a hold of you? Cause I, cause I think it'd be worth giving you a call <laughs> to, to, well, to at least to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that's fine. Just you can either email me at Jeff at defensebydesign.com. That's my company, Defense by Design. So Jeff at defensebydesign.com. Or if you want, you can call me 214-507-3567. I do pick up the phone for the most part. And if I if I don't, I'm in a meeting, I will return a call as soon as I can. But email is probably best because then, you know, we can have some exchange going back and forth. Uh, but certainly once we've had that exchange, we hop on a call or what we're doing on Zoom. No problem doing something like that. Oh, wow. Well, I hope you get a, uh, a lot of calls that heard you here because I know you're doing a service out there that's fantastic. So thanks for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. Well, and thank you so much for having me. And of course, our mutual friend, Stan, if you happen to catch a Stan, thank you for introducing the two of us together. <laughs> uh, I think the world of him, I'm sure you do as well. And I do. It, it doesn't surprise me at all that good, is this what I'm saying? If the good people stop helping the good people, who's left? That's a perfect example of good people helping good people. In his case, connecting the two of us. So let's continue to be good people. Just always keep in mind discernment. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.